Coucou tout le monde, it's your two favorite French bookworms. Hi, this is Helen. I'm originally from Indiana and moved to Europe after university. And I'm Miranda, born and raised in Toronto and now living and working in Ottawa. This is the podcast that explores the diversity of the francophonie. Come with us through dozens of countries and listen to over 300 million voices. Welcome to season two of the bookworms. We're Yay! so excited. So excited for season two. We're coming at you with new books. We got nonfiction, we have fiction, we have France, we have the rest of the francophonie, and I'm really excited to be back doing this. Me too. Well, before we get too far along, bon année, happy new year. Thank it's you. It's 2021. We made it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're making it, I think. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. In the process. Yeah. Well, let's let's talk about 2020 a little yeah. bit. Because we are so excited to have started this podcast together and read a bunch of amazing stories and Mm -hmm. learned quite a bit, Uh, at least in my opinion. I I really enjoyed expanding my knowledge of of France and the Francophonie. So let's do a little 2020 audit on the bookworms. I think that's fair. So Helen's got the stats, but I will say that I was really proud of us for the types of books we chose. We read them in French and in English to understand how language changed the book. But I know that my goal for this season two is to go beyond our comfort zone of Canada and France and to really explore some new places and some authors that I've been meaning to read but haven't yet. So I want to get my TBR list down. Not to do any spoilers, but there are actually quite a few authors coming up that I am ashamed to have never read until this moment. (laughs) So (laughs) very excited about that. Like you said, yeah, we're 50-50 for French and English. So I think that's really exciting and meeting our goals for having a Franglais podcast. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. We we had mostly France-focused books. So very excited to explore a little bit more and... Yeah, learn about countries that I'm not necessarily aware of or comfortable talking about. So we'll do our best going forward to to learn with you and maybe not speak from a place of personal experience, but just growth and trying to grapple what what we're learning right alongside you. I love that. I think that's a great um, way to start season two. So... Well, let's, let's do it. Let's do it. I'm so excited. I think this was a great choice of a book. This was your choice. Well, it's a mutual choice because I've read it, but you were like, I want to read it. <laughs> yes. Okay. I have stories about this. So this week on Lay Bookworms, we are exploring French Women Don't Get Fat by Mireille Guiano, which was published in 2004. I was really excited to read this book. So let's, before we get into first impressions, do a 30 second description. Do you mind if I take the helm on this? Yeah, do it. Somewhere between self-help memoir and anthropological study of the relationship French culture has with food and diet, this book aims to explain how French people avoid yo-yo dieting through moderation, seasonal eating, and mindful meals. Mireille explains her own journey through putting on weight and trying to keep it off. Not quite a diet book. You learn useful recipes and tricks to be conscious of what you eat and gain general knowledge about the French approach to food and body image. Yeah, so starting off the first impressions, to be fair, I've read this book now twice. I Mm -hmm. read it a couple years ago. First impression back in the day was that this book was highly recommended by a bunch of Parisian influencers who started a challenge to follow her guidelines outlined in the book and become more Parisian in a way. So I was intrigued 
because of my personal experience in France and wanted to see what this book was all about. I appreciate that she repeatedly said these were her tricks and personal ideas, not backed up by anything or science, which is a huge issue in diet culture. 100%. And I also enjoyed the personal tidbits that she shared about her life. That was probably my favorite part. I think what that's about total- you? Yeah, that's fair. Um, so I was pretty hesitant uh, uh, to read it, although I was excited because you had enjoyed it so much and I trust your taste. I was just hesitant because the title is so sensational, like the idea of fat and using that word upset me and like the idea that all French women are the same was upsetting. Um, And I know that some well-known authors have criticized the book sort of as judgmental and painting a diverse French population with a broad brush. So I couldn't quite settle into the tone of the book, to be honest, but I kind of think that that's what I referenced earlier, that it's, it's not a diet book. Like it's almost a memoir. It's not telling you specific meals but it is also sometimes giving you recipes it's it's a weird tone I felt um but I enjoyed the general discussion about mindful eating and moderation I think that's stuff that anybody no matter where you are in your relationship with food can benefit from um while the underpinnings were a little uncomfortable for me the overall message did seem genuinely helpful and positive and I, I will echo what you said she did repeatedly say that these were her tricks and her ideas um, and not backed up by necessarily anything scientific which I appreciated yeah well I would also say that we listened to this as an audiobook and I think that really yes. changed my impression of the book because she reads it herself and I love her voice I'll talk about that later but yeah <laughs> <laughs> what are you drinking Yes. Okay. Uh, today I'm drinking a Canadian breakfast tea, which is what I need right now because it's a bit early in the morning, um, with a little bit of sugar. And it, I, I've actually, this book has helped me. I'll talk about it in a minute, but this book has helped me with the idea of like relishing the foods that you love and not overindulging because one of my new year's resolutions (laughs) was to not drink tea with milk and sugar at work because as you know, I drink a lot of tea. So yeah, that's been my New Year's resolution. And it's made me really love my morning teas because it's like my favorite tea by far of the day. What are you drinking? I have a hazelnut coffee because I also need some caffeine at the moment. (laughs) I know that's your favorite. It is. All right. So the language we read the book in is English. I believe that that is its only publication is that correct i also believe so okay it's definitely targeted for the anglophone market and like i said it's an audiobook so Mm -hmm. before getting too far ahead let's go ahead and just answer what role did language play in the understanding of this book so i feel like the language speaks to the audience she's trying to reach i mean basically it's americans but north americans um the audiobook was really cute because she has such a lovely accent (laughs) and it was really charming to listen to her talk about her life with this really adorable French accent um yeah that's what I took away how about yourself yeah same so the first time I listened to this book I was training for a marathon and so I loved how calming and pleasing her voice was during my really annoying runs in the gloomy dismal winter days of London very much brought a smile to my face and then hearing her speak for me, made most of the book come off as a conversation rather than a Mm. guideline. And so for me, it really changed my understanding. And I think after listening to it for a second time, 
I'm I'm very happy I read it as an audiobook because I think that I would not have necessarily enjoyed this as a physical book. I don't know, right. but for me, the uh, hearing her speak the language, the accent, the tone of her voice mm. made it a lot less um, confrontational for me in terms I, of getting to connect with what she was saying. I totally buy that. I think that makes complete sense. So let's dive in uh, with our first overarching theme of the book, which is moderation and sustainability. Um so I thought that this was something that she referenced a lot. And actually, when I told um, my mom that I read this book, she said, oh, I've read that book. And I was like, oh, really? And she's like, yeah, yeah. And she's like, it's all about moderation. I thought that was really funny. <laughs> also funny because my mom has been 120 pounds her entire life. So the idea that she would read a book about French women not getting fat is, anyway, it's a separate issue. So I feel like this book highlights the sort of any diet claim that helps you claims to help you lose weight quickly that it's just not sustainable like i think that that's um something that she really pushes is that this isn't a diet for three months this isn't a juice cleanse this is supposed to be a sustainable way to live your life and i really enjoyed that i thought that is a really healthy way to look at food certainly from my own perspective i knew so many girls in school who would do like a week-long juice cleanse to lose weight and you know, you inevitably go back to eating normal food and then the weight just goes back on because you're still eating, you know, the amounts and the kind of food that you were before. So I, I think that she talks about integrating tips into your routine so that it's not just like a like a challenge, like a six week diet. It could be a lifelong sustainable like, you know, lifestyle and, and, and regime. Um, mm -hmm. What did you think about that? Yeah, I think everything in moderation is always a great motto. I've always thought that the French know what's what when it comes to balanced meals, both at lunch and dinner, and taking their time. So, again, like I hinted at, like with my personal experience, I connected with this book because the first time I lived in France, which was just for a high school uh, language exchange program for the summer, I actually lost quite a bit of weight really? over the course of the summer by simply doing nothing, like by eating everything that was given to me. Right. And that included, I mean, brioche and Nutella every morning. That oh. included me after school going and getting like une religieuse. Like I was not dieting at all. I was eating every meal all the time, you know, cheese, yogurt, everything, crepes. And I still wound up losing quite a bit of weight. And I, I really give it to the French wave of portions or the way that they present their meals of their slower paced or they're well balanced. Mm -hmm. And what she referenced and what you kind of said, these lifestyle changes or tips, I would say already exist and people don't realize it, especially mm -hmm. if you're from a bigger city. But I find it much more European. I, would, I wouldn't even say it's French that when you live in a bigger city or you live in densely populated urban areas that most even most small cities are in French you walk more because oh, yeah you can't drive so like she talks a lot you know take the stairs walk she I think that was a big thing walking up her six flights of stairs yeah. was like her way of like adding steps to her day and like that's great I don't need to take the elevator every time and it's that kind of simple thing which when you stop to think about it it's not too much and it is a great little extra effort but I think it's very much uh, an urban, big city lifestyle. I, I think New Yorkers probably walk yeah, a lot on. more than someone from Montana does. And 
part of it is, you know, growing up in Indiana, we couldn't walk to the grocery store. We couldn't, wow. we didn't have a corner boulangerie. So like right. we did drive a lot more to pick up random things that now having lived in London and France, I would, I am like, I can walk. Like yeah. <laughs> even when I go back home to my mom's house, like I'm like, there's a greenway in the, the grocery store is only 10 minutes. Like we're walking. And my mom's like, um, can't we take the car? I'm like, no, we're walking. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. I, I completely agree with that. And having grown up in a city, like we never use the car. We use the car for long trips. We use it for big grocery runs. Other than that, like I was never driven to school. Like it was, you walk everywhere, you know, I think it is a really healthy thing to, to integrate into your life. I think both of these things are true if you start if you make the effort to really investigate your choices and like why am I doing this and is this something mm-hmm. I need to be doing it helps with that because and she pushes that all throughout the the book is like really question why you're doing this and is it actually making you happy is it actually like are you actually enjoying yourself um but I think that's true because I have friends who have cars and they take the car like everywhere and if I suggest, like, well, why don't we walk? Like, it's just so out of their realm of, like, normal that it's it becomes easier to take the car everywhere. But it also becomes easy for me without a car. People are like, how do you <laughs> how do you live without a car? And it's like, I honestly don't notice it ever because I live downtown and I work on a transit line. So, like, I'm fine. You know, like I, I'm. But that's I'm good. the thing. Those are the little habits that she's talking about. So it's yeah. one. Of, it seems really hard if you aren't used to it or have different habits. But in reality, when you do stop and think, you're like, I, I can do this a little bit more. Um, yeah, exactly. You know, like even if it's like I'll walk down the stairs. Like you don't have to huff it up. Like you can just like no. make a compromise with yourself that you take the stairs down and you take the elevator up. Like yeah, little well, steps. <laughs> and I have a friend, and she offered me like very sweetly offered to like carpool to work with me, which is nice. But I actually really enjoy my like walk to work. I I, I think that it's a great reflective time of the morning for me. I like like my walk to work. I enjoy that time with myself. You know, you actually get a lot of benefits from that kind of stuff. But the thing that I love that she I also miss talks- my commute. <laughs> I 100% like I really? miss my 30 minute, even if it was like a 30 minute tube commute with a bunch of people. You're so right. Like I had my, I listened to my podcast on my walk to the station. I had my, like just myself, like I let my brain wake up without any hustle. And now that I've been working from home for months, it's like my commute is like bed to table. And <laughs> I, my brain, my brain does not wake up the same. It's not the same feeling. No. So no, I, I get it. <laughs> yeah. And the other thing she pushes is like moderation being really key here so that like you can enjoy everything you love but in smaller portions and less frequently and it drives me crazy to hear people choose to cut out major food groups as a part of a diet and I know that for some people it really works for them and I'm really happy about that um for them but I just don't see how it's sustainable to like never eat bread again or never eat carbs or you know like I'm oh I'm a person who like just never I don't know. It never eats potatoes. Like, why? I am just referencing carbs. Yeah. I don't know. I just feel like that seems unsustainable, at least for me. And and it's just kind of a bummer. Like, potatoes are good. You should be able to eat potatoes or, like, have champagne when you want to. I'm not saying have yeah. champagne every night, but, like, or potatoes every night. But the idea that you can never have the things that you love, life is way too short, man. <laughs> Very true. And here, before we move on to our second theme, to just put a little 
I don't know, asterisks to this yeah. conversation is that she does reference that she eats out what an, obs- an insane amount of times. Yes. But she is very high up in a very well-known champagne company. Yeah. So when she's talking about eating small portions, eating healthy, and she's doing it at restaurants, she's also doing it at Michelin star restaurants where the portions are smaller, where the produce is very good. Like she's not eating fast food every day like she's eating at very good restaurants so it is arguably a lot easier for her to have these smaller portions to have really high quality food and that changes being able you know that changes being able to keep off weight or feel satisfied or indulge in these delicious things yeah and lastly just because we're talking about the french know about moderation and sustainability practices like there are there isn't a strong fast food culture here in france yep not everyone eats seasonally. Not everyone goes to the marché every week. That's not... It's a stereotype a little bit because it's yeah. not its not sustainable and it's not feasible for everyone. So this is a little bit of a warning that there's a broad brush for... Yeah. There's a lot of different types of French people. There's a lot of life outside of Paris. And that means that you have to take the car. That means you don't have the same accessibility to some of these options. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So on a side note, I was reading a book about wine, which we may, uh, I'll do a book report for, for the, uh, for our uh, website, but it actually references this woman <laughs> in it as like a brand ambassador for Veuve Clicquot, which is this really fancy um, champagne brand. Uh, so, you know, she references champagne quite a lot, actually, which I think I mean, why not? It's her job. It's her life's work. But yeah. let's get on because we're already well into this podcast. So yeah. <laughs> theme two is seasonal eating and the 100 kilometer diet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we've discussed seasonal eating before in episode three and four. And it's often a great way to integrate healthier foods and vary your diet based on what's growing at the moment. Um, I think it also inspires creativity and like invites that new... Um, opportunity to try something new um I know not everyone loves to cook I get that but for me I love to cook and cooking with local ingredients like forces me to look up new recipes for example I was doing this over the summer and there were these things called sunchokes also known as Jerusalem artichokes which I've never heard of before and I found a recipe for a soup and they are freaking delicious had no idea they existed I actually just recently saw them over Christmas nice. <laughs> for the first time. They yeah. were given as a raclette option for the vegetarians. Oh, interesting. An idea? Yeah. Yeah, so, well, my my take on this was that I really enjoyed her recipes and food suggestions throughout the book. They're very cute, very simplistic, and mm-hmm. unlike uh, Felicity Cloaks, where she gave us, you know, a true recipe yeah. at the end of each chapter, that's not, it was very, like, again, audiobook style. So I yeah. felt like it was very integrated of like, very. oh, I used to like yes. eat soup with my grandmother. Here's what the soup was. Right. <laughs> so like, kind of like that. Um, but because of this book, I found my love for chestnuts. Oh. I associated that as a street name or a type of tree, not <laughs> as like an actual <laughs> food group. And I love them. Mm. So I take a little of the creme de meron, as she talked about, and mix it into my natural yogurt. This is 100% taken from her and it's changed my life. Like it's, <laughs> I think I read this two years ago now and I've, that it's been my go-to yogurt consumption trick ever since. It's oh. my happy pleasure. I love it. 
if you ever have a, an option, try it. It's it's, it's fantastic. She, she does talk about yogurt quite a bit, and I kind of yeah. love yogurt for breakfast. Like, that is my breakfast, like, almost every day I work, because I don't have, I don't really have, I have time to make breakfast, but I don't enjoy making breakfast when I could be sitting, scrolling through Twitter and drinking my tea. So, instead, I like have some natural yogurt with like a little bit of jam in it because I like my sweetness. There you go. Yeah. France is the largest consumers of yogurt. Wow. They, it's the largest market. Yeah. That's really interesting. Anyway, I love yogurt. It is. <laughs> All right. Well, <laughs> moving on to our third theme Yes. is the mindful meals and eating away from the TV. So you kind of came up with this title. You want to explain it a little bit? Yeah, so, I mean, the book highlights about how food can be ritualistic, and it's really an important step to question, like, why am I doing this, eating this, drinking this? Um, She makes meals important moments. Like, that is something that she really talks about, that they should be uninterrupted by TV. It should be about eating. It should be about the food, and you enjoy it more. And when you're more mindful of what you're eating and why you're eating it and how much you are eating it, you actually can enjoy uh, the food more. And I really agree with that. Like, I think I'm doing dry January and uh, I, I love my wine with, like, dinner or pasta. Like, I, I, I really enjoy it. Um, but there is a good, like, you should be questioning, why am I coming home every day and having my little apero is that a great idea and is it just because it's my ritual or is it because I'm really enjoying that whiskey sour I think she questions that I think it's a great idea to be just mindful of what you're eating and what it's doing for you so I just think it you need to in, interrupt these sort of rituals in your mind and just question You've done a very good job, Miranda. Like, wow. Like, dry January questioning habits, changing things. You're kudos to you. Like, Thanks, wow. Well, <laughs> I, I have to say, I am one of those people who, like, I have New Year's resolutions every year. And I know that lots of people aren't that person. And that's totally fine. And I completely understand it, especially this year. For me, it just helps me. I don't know. I'm very that's excited good. for our next podcast on philosophy because I like to question. I think that you should always be questioning your habits and because that's how bad habits get formed, right? Is like when you're just very like, this true. is what I do. Also very related to culture. That's one of my biggest things that I've loved exploring about culture and living in a second culture. Is, you know, I ask why they do something and they look at me like, uh, we've never thought about this. Yeah, and it's the same, you know, when it. I'm in America and someone asks me, why are you doing that? I'm like, uh, no idea. Like, great question. Let me think about this. <laughs> yeah. What did, what did you think about that idea of mindful meals? Well, how would you describe that? I think this is a great idea. I agree with what you said. I think it is always good to question. I do think in general, you know, there's a lot of scientific evidence that has come out, you know, over the last few decades that having family time or social time, you know, whether it's a, a dinner with your roommates, whether it's a dinner with your family, uninterrupted is really important. Mm-hmm. It is really good to put your screens away and not always be tuned into TV or when I'm alone. Am I scrolling through Instagram the whole time I'm eating? Is that healthy? Probably not because mm-hmm. I'm not being mindful of what I'm putting in my mouth. But I would not say that the French are magically better at this no. than others. <laughs> Beyond maybe their special meals or their Sunday family meals, 
I know that Sunday family meals is a very common thing for France. I can't say that uh, that's something that's been in my life. My partner's family lives in the south of France. We live in the north. So like that's not a weekly thing. But I know a lot of families that live close together participate in that. And so, yeah, I think with that, of course, the TV's not on. Over the holidays when we were having, you know, Christmas dinner, no, the TV's not on. Uh, we're not watching a Christmas movie. Right. But I think a pizza and a movie night is a universal thing that happens. I, I, I think, you know, if, if we want to make it French, it's Colanta on Friday nights <laughs> and pizza. But being mindful and slowly eating is definitely better. In France, I do think they eat a lot slower than americans than other countries because it's a habit like they're given an hour and a half to two hours at lunch at school i had 30 minutes like we were trained from a young age to eat rapidly so obviously Mm -hmm. that then carries over to the home whereas here that's not at school at work at home they're given more time so i would say that i tend to be the first one finish uh, a meal and i've been working on slowing down so like when i go back to america i'm now the last one it's like that's great and I think that's a very healthy thing. You f- you can listen to your body when you're full. You feel it. You understand it instead of just shoveling it in and then, you know, having a stomach ache after. Yeah, I think so. that that's, yeah. Um, and I, I, I'm not perfect with it either, to be honest. When I get home, I get home around 4 o'clock and my partner is gets home a little bit earlier than that. And, like, we sit and chat and talk and we probably eat around 6, which I know is early, but we go to bed early. And, like, if we're not watching something when we eat, we won't watch anything. So sometimes there's just so much TV out there and there's so many things that people tell you to watch and you're like, well, we'll just eat dinner and watch something. So I'm not perfect with it, but, you know, I think that... Yeah, I think the news at France, like, the 8 o'clock news, I think is very common to have on, at least in the background. Like, French people love news, (laughs) <laughs> all the time yeah. <laughs> not in like the cnn like always on way just as in the radio in the car yeah. is often news they're just very good at staying up to date it's very impressive yeah. um and here's a little francais moment so yeah. the the word for eating on the go you know you get your sandwich and you're walking that is so a thing you see people yep. eating salads as they drive super dangerous don't do it you see people do this all the time <laughs> So in France, they actually call us manger sur la puce. So like to eat on your thumb. Yeah. And it is happening more and more, regardless if it's not traditionally a French uh, concept. Yeah, for sure. All right. So let's uh, close up. How does this book question the idea of the francophonie? Did you think that it went against the grain or do you think it stays stereotypical? I personally didn't think this was a groundbreaking book. Uh, chock full of revelations. That's not the case. I did find it pleasant and enjoyable to mm-hmm. listen to. It is a bit stereotypical and simplistic as obesity is a growing problem everywhere. Uh, and it, we're not even talking about necessarily obesity, just not being the super skinny stereotype yeah, of Parisians. Exactly. Like that is not a, that's not a truth with a capital T. And I don't think it's fair to like, like you said at the very beginning, to have a broad brush. So French people have all sorts of body types and that's perfectly okay and acceptable. They have all sorts of eating habits, you know, and I I think maybe the French culture is slightly better than the American as a a girl that grew up in America. You know, it's amazing what I've had to unlearn because of the diet culture Mm -hmm. and the, the targeting of girls and women what beauty is and what standards are. And they're so unattainable in the mm-hmm. U.S., I feel like. So I do think France is better, 
But with that being said, I just watched a TV show called Fe Pasi Fe Pasa, uh, which is an older uh, series, but they had a whole episode dedicated to a mother and daughter at different ages feeling very uncomfortable in their skin, feeling inadequate, yeah. having the Parisian model. So that is still a thing that they worked through on the show. But if it's on the show, that means it's something that's occurring in French society. So oh, they're not immune. The, I I know as a, when I was teaching, I had a student who was 15 years old tell me she smoked because she didn't want to eat. Whoa. So like there are serious issues in France. Diet culture, eat, having bad relationships with food is... A universal problem with women and girls and i don't think that this book represents that issue as much in france yeah well actually a little bit i mean her dad's first comment was like you look like oh. a sack of potatoes a bit harsh yeah she so does. you know like yeah. it's not perfect yeah so, so yeah. i'm gonna echo most of what you said like i don't think that this goes against the grain in any way it's relying on a stereotype of like the svelte slim french woman in order to sell books you know like my mom thinks mm-hmm. of french women as being fashionable and thin that's why she yes. read this book right so i don't think it's trying to question french food culture and to be honest i think it could like i i think like you pointed out French people aren't immune to this stuff. I mean, some of this is just modernization and having more screens available to you and being less mindful. It also doesn't question, you know, food deserts. It doesn't It doesn't question the, the price or the availability of produce and markets. The big box store is taking over smaller places. It could question a lot more. I think there's a lot to be learned from the French. And overall, I enjoyed the book. But body image and eating disorders are still important issues in France. The assumption Absolutely. that French women don't get fat really reduces our view of like who gets to be the classic French woman. Um, a lot of Instagram can be toxic, but some of it can be really wonderful and showing the diversity that's actually out there that people just don't think about. You know, that French women can look like a whole lot of things and they, they can be, you know, a lot different than this book portrays. Absolutely. And I would just add real quick, what you said is so true that because this book is only written in English and not French, she's not actually catering to talking about this with French women. Like right. this, this is problematic in the way that the title, the, the cover art is targeting an American woman, North American woman who want to be exotic, who want to be skinny, who want to be cool It's like, that is problematic. Like, this book is only existing and is successful and is a monetary object for her because of the diet culture, because of people's need to be different or be better. And so, like, that is problematic. And I do agree with people that have spoken out against this book in the way of, unfortunately, these books exist. I would have loved to read her story if maybe this was titled like my memoir or like my journey with food, not French women don't get fat. And I know that like that would sell less copies. I'm sure that there's, you know, a reason she gave it such a sensational title, but I'm just really uncomfortable with the idea like of first of all, using the word fat so cavalierly and then also like all French women don't get fat. Okay. You don't know all French women. Not everyone wants to be, you know, a size two like you and Mm-hmm. it's really not even the point of her book like I think it sells it short let's move on to happier yeah. things to finish our first episode of season two of Les Bookworms Yay. what was your French moment of the week Miranda so my French moment of the week is 
one that I've used before, but it is becoming increasingly true when I'm not drinking wine. <laughs> I've been having a lot of cheese boards as an after work goûter. This book actually helped me realize that. I was really missing having that little four o'clock something to eat that I got so used to when living in France. So I've been doing little cheese boards for myself and my partner and it's been really fun <laughs> and nice. a really nice thing. And it also helps us le eat less at dinner. I've been making some stuffed pasta and I will make not very many and then we will have stuffed pasta and like a small amount of it with a salad or something. And it's a smaller dinner because we've had like a really nice couple baguette slices of some nice cheeses. My partner's so into it that like one day he just brought home $25 worth of cheese and was like, I got this. So let's make a night of it. And I was like, okay, sure. That's my, fr I feel like that's pretty French. Yeah, that's very nice. Uh, well, my French moment is that I had the pleasure of getting stuck in an elevator this week. <gasps> oh God. Yeah, luckily it was just with people in my household, so no worries on the COVID front with like sharing airspace and tightly yeah. confined air. Oh my god! <laughs> you know? and we also, in a very French way, had a baguette, on us, <laughs> so we were okay. <laughs> but anyways, this was my first experience seeing and interacting with French firefighters, Ooh. so that was like my French moment. Was like I didn't know what they looked like. They were overall double thumbs up. It was a pleasant experience. <laughs> we stayed very calm. We weren't that far. We were able to climb out with no issue. So anyways, that's my very French moment. Baguettes stuck in elevators with the firefighters. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for exploring the Francophonie with us. Whether you're just getting started or many miles down the road, just remember that language holds up a mirror and helps us to understand ourselves and the world around us. There are always new stories to share and to hear. Next time on the programs, we're doing a... French women don't get fat, but en français, à bientôt. À bientôt.